This is episode 441 of the AWS podcast, released on May 4, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of AWS Launch. Today, we have some really exciting stuff planned. We're going to be talking about Redshift. I don't know how familiar you are with Redshift. Redshift is our data warehousing solution. And we're going to talk about a recent launch for Redshift called Aqua. I'm joined today by Andy Caldwell. He is a senior principal engineer for Redshift. Andy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Uh, Thanks, Nikki. My name is Andy Caldwell. I'm a senior principal engineer on the Redshift team, and I'm the tech lead for Aqua. And I've been with AWS for a little more than six years now. Wow, that's that's awesome. Um, So what, let's just start at the beginning here. You know, there's probably listeners just like myself who don't really know what Redshift is. So let's start up front. What, What is Redshift? Why would I use it? Redshift is AWS's managed data warehousing uh, and analytics solution. So customers use Redshift to, uh, you know, transactionally store and analyze very, very large volumes of data, um, up to multiple petabytes of data. And they do this for everything from running their business and keeping track of their books to doing, you know, analysis of customers, uh, inventories, pretty much anything you would do analytics on, people do it on Redshift. Wow, petabytes of data, just mind blown. It's a lot of data. Um, It's a lot of data. I can't believe we just talk about that like it's normal now. That's awesome. So now we know what Redshift is. So what did you guys, what did you guys launch? I think it's called Aqua. What does Aqua stand for? What is Aqua? Yeah, Aqua is an analytics query accelerator and Aqua is a computational caching layer for Redshift. And I'll go into that in a minute, what, what a little more detail, what that means. Um, but basically it makes Redshift faster. Uh, and in particular, it makes Redshift faster at a common but sort of underserved class of workloads. Um, Big analytics engines like Redshift are uh, used for sort of two primary things. They are needle and haystack finders. You have mountains and mountains of data, and you want to find some specific thing. And so they sift through these big, you know, piles of data and find the little bit that you're looking for. And the other thing they do is they generate summaries. They take tons and tons of data and they compress it down into something that is a summary of that data that you can understand. So that might be, you know, they look through all your sales last year. What you want to know is what was the total? What was the average? How long was the typical size between an order being placed and a thing being delivered? Right. So they're generating right, a and summary. Trends, right? Exactly. Trends. And, and this requires looking through large, large volumes of data. Uh, and Aqua was Pet designed to make exactly. Aqua was designed to make that part of analytics faster. And so our motivation for this, in talking to Redshift customers, we we heard that they liked the speed that Redshift provided in being able to analyze this data super super fast for them. But they wanted increased flexibility. And about uh, a year and a half ago, uh, Redshift released a new a new version of Redshift, a new instance for Redshift that was the RA three, and that let customers separate the compute from the data, which gives you increased flexibility in how much data you can have and how much compute you need to, to analyze it. And as we're pulling the data further and further away from the compute, we, we ran into a problem. 
there's really two ways of solving this traditionally. One is to have the storage attached to the network. And when you want to analyze the data, you send it over the network to the compute. And that works and it's super flexible, but it can be inefficient because you're sending all of those say, petabytes slow? of data through the straw yeah. that is the network over to do the compute. That um, can be slow. Exactly. And that's slow. And the other alternative was to cache it all with the compute, but that's that's less flexible, right? I can't change the ratios of the two as flexibly. And so and how often are you updating the cache? Exactly. How much cache do I need? And Aqua was really designed to be a new way of tackling that problem and giving us the speed of having cached the data locally and the flexibility of having it accessible over the network. So Aqua caches data in a multi-tenant service in the network that is accessed over the network by your Redshift cluster. So we cache the data there. But it doesn't just hand the data to Redshift when it asks. It actually does the filtering on behalf of the Redshift cluster. Oh, wow. So when you enter a query and you say, you know, send me only the purchases by Bob last year, traditionally, all the data would go over the network, and then your cluster looks through for the sales records by Bob. With Aqua, the Redshift cluster says to Aqua, please give me only the sales records for Bob. And Aqua does the filtering through. So we filter through at very and high speed. And only sends the data back exactly. over the network. Exactly. We only send the little bits of data that you need back over the network. So with that, we can get the flexibility that comes from having the sort of network attached storage model and the speed of having it cached locally because it was cached locally in Aqua. So you mentioned filtering as one of the types of queries that Aqua can accelerate. Mm -hmm. Are there other queries that Aqua can actually assist with? It turns out that filtering and, and aggregating, which is the sort of database community word for generating a summary, like a sum or a count or an average, uh, filtering and, and aggregating is the, the starting point for all analytics queries. So it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Step one is go to the pile of data, look for the bits that I need, and either send the bits right. over or send a summary over. And this is, this is step one of all of analytics. So this turns out to be a really general uh, and flexible place to accelerate and be able to have an impact on a lot of queries that users are running. How does this, you mentioned you know, um, how this accelerates everything and obviously it affects speed and performance. Mm -hmm. But what are the other benefits to using Aqua? Like, how would it affect pricing, maybe? Um, I, I'm going to just guess it might be cost less to send less records over the network after you've already done the computation on the records. Yeah, but it does. It's merely a guess. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Um, and, you know, really, in the, in the analytics world, speed and price are kind of two sides of the same coin. Right. Yeah. Anytime you're going to go analyze petabytes of data, you're, you're building uh, a scale out system where you could just have more and more of it and do it in parallel. Um, obviously, it costs more to have more parallel bits running at the same time. And so speed and price are a pretty direct trade off. You can spend twice as much and get the answer in half the time. And so by being an accelerator, uh, by Aqua making Redshift faster, you have a choice. You can say, you know what? I just really like getting my answers super quick. I'm going to keep my costs the same and get the results faster. Or you can say, you know what? I'd actually like to save a little bit of money and I'll trade in some of that speed and, and pay less. And so we've given customers a choice there by, by making the, the, um, the engine itself faster. Aqua itself is free. It's included in the, in the cost of your Redshift RE3 cluster. So if you have a Redshift RE3 cluster, all you got to do is turn it on. Wow, it's that easy. It's so that easy. is there 
I mean, if I logged into my console today and I had a Redshift cluster, what would I do as a customer? There is a toggle button on the console page for Redshift uh, as of yesterday when we, when we went GA. And, uh, and you just turn it on. It says use Aqua. Yes. Yes, yes please. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> I was unable to get wow. the please in there. Um, it's a yes, no. But, but I think of it as the yes, please button. Yeah, it is literally like, yep, I want that. I'll take that. So, yes. you know, we talked about like it's it's increases speed and enhances performance. Uh, what what kind of speed or performance boost are we talking about? Like 20x, 10x, 5x? What's so the it difference? depends on the workload. Uh, the, the useless but correct answer in all of analytics is it depends. And that's true here, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's but, all of engineering. Yes. What are you talking about? No kidding. But we've seen as much as a 10x increase, depending on wow. the kind of the workload. So Aqua accelerates the scan and ag portions. And there's really there's two sets of operations that databases like Redshift do. They, they scan, filter through data, and they join. Take two sets of data and, and sort of put them together. Aqua handles the scan portion of things. Your Redshift cluster still does all the joins. And so if you have a scan-heavy workload, then Aqua has more impact for you. The other thing we've seen is that the speed up we're, we're able to provide depends in part on the complexity of the filtering operations that you're doing. And the biggest impact is around string operations. So the, uh, the database terms for these are like and similar to, and they are approximate. Oh, SQL. Exactly. These are approximate string matching functions that show up in SQL. And Aqua is really, really good at those. So when, when we built Aqua, we, we built it ground up. It's, it's completely custom hardware. We went to our friends at AWS Hardware Engineering and EC2 and said, hey, we have this awesome idea for a way we could make databases so much faster. You're going to have to give me a custom instance because it has to look different <laughs> than what we've currently got in order to be able to do this. And they said, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. Uh, and so they did. What, so what does it look like? Uh, it, is, it is a completely custom instance that was built you know, to spec for Aqua. So this has been wow. a two and a half year process uh, from like prototype to uh, to end result and it is it was very much an it takes a village kind of project so you know we, we worked with hardware engineering uh, at AWS and designed custom boards we worked with the the Annapurna team who builds custom silicon uh, and we're leveraging wow. their ASICs in a novel way we built a custom instance we wrote our own device drivers uh, sort of totally end-to-end -end engineered exactly for this purpose so this instance that's specific to Aqua, can anyone get access to it? Or is it, it's only, it's internal, it's specific to Aqua. It is specific you guys and it is it. only for Aqua. We're doing a little bit of uh, trailblazing here. And, and, and I think the result of that will be functionality that over time makes its way into the, the broader AWS and, and EC2 ecosystem. One of the things we noticed when we were designing Aqua, so... We had this idea that we would build a caching computational layer. It'll cache all the hot data. The Redshift cluster will push down the filters to run inside Aqua. We said, okay, this would be awesome. And then we were thinking about that and said, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have instances that have only the hottest data because you only bother to cache the hot stuff. And I'm going to have right. it on behalf of everything, everybody. And they're going to send me all of their high bandwidth workloads. We're going to need a lot of bandwidth. And so when we, went, when we <laughs> yeah. went to go look at the hardware to say, all right, what, what is the highest filtering bandwidth system we can possibly produce? We, we observed something uh, kind of interesting. And we're not the only people to have observed this. But um, 
we were one of the few who could take advantage of it. it turns out that hard drives, uh, storage devices, have gotten faster over the last seven to 10 years at a much greater rate than CPUs have gotten faster. SSDs are faster by 12x and CPUs only by about a factor of two. And, wow, why is that? Uh, you know, it has to do with a variety of, of issues in the hardware industry. It's, it's partly its packaging. You know, we're pretty good at putting more cores into the same CPU socket. And so the number of cores mm -hmm. have gone up over time. But that's not really the limiting factor. It's DRAM bandwidth. And DRAM is, a, is an edge and a surface area connecting issue. Right? Clock frequencies haven't gone up. I don't have that many more pins, so I don't have that much more DRAM bandwidth. So the DRAM bandwidth on the CPUs is not moving very much. But uh, as the world has gotten really, really good at building flash drives, SSDs, they have yeah. gotten you know, more than a factor of 10 faster in the last six to seven years. And, and that trend is going to keep going, right? We're, if I'm looking forward at the SSDs we're going to have in you know, one or two or five years, they are yet faster by more than the CPUs will be. So what we found was, was I can build a box that will deliver more bandwidth from the storage devices where I'm caching everybody's hot data, then I can filter in the CPUs. And, right. uh, and, and, and that seemed like, you know, oh, that's going to make it not as fast as it could be. And, and we wanted it to be as fast as we could possibly build it. So, so that was the reason for the custom hardware. So if you look in that custom hardware, we have ASICs that Amazon designed and taped out that we use to accelerate compression and encryption. Uh, we have FPGAs that we programmed in a, in a custom manner to build extremely fast, dedicated filtering engines that do nothing but database operations. Wow, this is crazy. Uh, it's completely crazy. And so we built the custom hardware. And, and, and I mentioned that you know, we were not the only people to observe that uh, drives are getting faster, faster than CPUs are getting faster. And you can say, well, why isn't everybody building custom processors down in their storage devices and pushing their, their, uh, their right. workload there? We all have more data that we need to process right. this is, faster. This is not an us unique problem. So the, the challenge is that the the interfaces, the storage interfaces, the device driver interfaces, and things like that, that the world has centered around for the last couple of decades, they don't have any way to communicate about that. Programs running mm -hmm. on your CPU say to the storage layer, please give me this block, and you get data back, and then it does what it's going to. And what we needed was the ability to say, I want that block, but first I want you to unencrypt it, and then uncompress it, and then run this program on it, and give me the results. And there's no way to say that, you know, all the way from the, like the bottom level layers all the way up. So did you have to write like a custom like driver we or like, did. how do you solve that? We did. Wow. You know, this was one of the great things about attempting this kind of a project at AWS is, you know, we build basically everything. We are, a, a, you know, a, a soups to nuts, transistors to web interfaces kind of engineering organization. So you know, we needed There's no technical challenge that can't be solved no, here. No, this is hard for lots of places, but you know, we happen to own all of those interfaces and all of those engineering layers. Right. So we just built them. So we just casually, casually, I just, I just built a new driver. Whatever. Well, you know, no we, big deal. We walked over to the guys who own the drivers that sit in in EC2 instances, and he said, "Hey, we want to do this kind of wacky, slightly strange thing," and they said, "Oh, that sounds cool." here, this is the code. We collectively own it and we built a custom version and off it goes. So yeah. So all the stuff that you guys, so obviously you built a lot of custom stuff to make Aqua happen. Do you foresee a future in which some of this stuff, because you know, other people are experiencing this problem, 
we might expose or release some of these things so that other individuals could solve this exact problem for themselves? You know, I hope so. The, the timelines for that kind of generalization uh, and commoditization of technology tend to be kind of long. So, you know, right. I suspect this will take longer than I personally would like for it to take. But that's one of the benefits to the broader AWS customer base of, of having Amazon invest in this kind of, you know, custom groundbreaking engineering. We, we have a practical and real application now. And so now, you know, we can go thinking about how could I invent and simplify this on behalf of other customers, right? Because everybody isn't going to mm -hmm. be able to like walk down the hall and say to the guy who owns the device driver, hey, like the fork I your need code, a new man. driver. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yes, that, that is actually one of the benefits that, um, that I'm hoping that we'll see over time from, from Aqua is the ability to take, uh, and, and we've seen this in, in other areas where Amazon has done, you know, uh, groundbreaking technology development that, you know, it starts out bespoke because we have to be able to control all sides of it and it right. ends up in broader use. It's really awesome. I definitely am interested in seeing that kind of future where some of the, some of the custom stuff you guys built for Aqua gets released to the general public in some fashion or form to solve a lot of people's problems. But getting back to the actual product, can you tell me an example of a real world use case for Aqua or how customers that you have today have been taking advantage of Aqua even before it launched? Yeah, we, we worked with a great set of, uh, of beta customers uh, who were super friendly and, uh, and willing to let us sort of look at what they were doing and watch over their shoulder as they were running SQL. And, and we learned a ton through that process. And one of the things that I was excited to learn was a, a category of query of, of workload that was pretty underserved before that Aqua makes really, really uh, accessible and, and by making it fast. And that was people who are doing sentiment analysis or a lot of string-based searching through Ooh. text. Yeah, exactly. Imagine that uh, you'd hosted product on the Amazon website and you're looking through the customer comments. And you know there might be 10,000 of them, there might be more. And you want to be able to search right. through them and see things like, well, the people who gave me a two-star rating, how many of them complained about like a delivery problem or it being late or, that's not really my product problem, but I, but I want to know, that's the reason people are upset. So what you tend to do, what we found customers doing was searching through these big string fields in their databases for terms and doing approximate matching of terms. So I might, you know, mm. I might look for the count of ratings that were two or less, where the comment field contained the word delivery or late or broken or bad. You know, bad or, you know, these kinds of things. But maybe I want to exclude some other terms that I, that I don't want to fall into that category. So you end up with these complicated, I'm looking for examples with any of the following terms, but none of the Next set of They're terms. kind of like regex, basically, for like, I want this, but not this, but also Oh, see, this. now you've pulled out a big techie term, regex. That is exactly what they are. Whatever. Oh, you go. Yes. Uh, all of the terms like like and similar to and, and other things are subsets of regular expressions. And regex ends up being something that is especially efficient in Aqua uh, because it's efficient in hardware. So uh, I mentioned we have an FPGA in there. And so one of the things we programmed into it was a super, super fast regular expression matcher. Ooh. Yes. And so we take all of those terms that customers are looking for. Um, and, uh, 
it's it's everything you know we we saw customers who were looking for you know I'm looking for Bob but not Robert or Roberta or you know they they look for a product name plus the 17 different typo misspellings that people might actually make of that product name <laughs> right. if they were like filling out you know customer cards and, and yeah they're and and they're looking for trends uh, based on sentiment analysis and all of that boils down to regular expression matching and Aqua is super super good at regular expression matching. I hadn't thought about it, but in retrospect, it makes sense that this is something customers would be doing with their gigantic piles of data. And <laughs> historically, it's really slow. And by making it fast, we make it accessible. That's awesome. Do you have to write a regular expression different from the way that you are writing it in order to take advantage of this performance boost with regular expressions inside Aqua? Or no. can I just write it the way I was writing it before? Just the way you were writing it before. You know, I mentioned wow. we built a lot of software. We built a custom regular expression evaluating engine in the hardware in our FPGA. And then we so had to cool. build a mapper for it that takes the regular expressions that were in your SQL and compiles them down into programming for that regex engine that we put in our hardware and run it through. So no, uh, no change for you. The one thing that is kind of fun is because I'm running these in special purpose hardware, it doesn't really matter what the complexity of that expression is. When you, when you run these things on software, the more terms or wildcards or things like that that you put in them, the slower it runs on the CPU. Right. Hardware doesn't care. So knock yourself out. Love that. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's, <laughs> Do whatever you feel like. Write the most complicated regex yep. expression to your heart's desire. Off you go. Drop it in. Off you go. Yep. That's awesome. Well, this is a really exciting launch, a really, really cool, awesome thing that you guys did. What is next? What's on the horizon for Aqua? Like, what can we look forward to as, a, as customers of Redshift and Aqua? So, uh, you know, expanding surface area of, of what we can accelerate. So one of the things that was super important to us, and then this is sort of... Um, super important to the Redshift team as a whole, is to keep the user surface area as small as possible. So you have as few knobs as possible. So yeah. we didn't give customers the ability to say on like a per query basis or a per scan basis, send this one to Aqua and that one not, because this is really hard to control. But that means that we have the burden of making the right choice. And so we've started off mm -hmm. being conservative. So for right now at GA, Aqua will look for scans that contain like or similar to, because that's our biggest performance win. And as I'm looking at our roadmap over the next weeks and months and quarters, the bulk right. of it is about expanding what Aqua can provide that speed up to. And so as we add more and more predicates and more filtering types and more aggregations that we can speed up and be confident that we'll provide that acceleration to customers, we just start open it up. And that doesn't require any change from customers. You don't have to do anything different. Just you come in on a random Wednesday and the Aqua team has shipped some new predicate that we now accelerate and queries that contain it will be faster. Is there any other, I mean, that's awesome. Is there any other knobs that a customer might want to turn besides, you know, you, you just flipping the switch and saying, I want to use Aqua. And then obviously you guys making decisions on which predicates you're going to accelerate for the customer. Is there by chance anything else that, you know, a customer might want to do, like limit the number of records being returned or? That is actually the only knob that there is. Limits on records returns and things like that is totally down to, you know, what's in your SQL. The SQL if query. you only want yeah. the first 200 records, then put a limit 200. If you want to see them all, see them all. 
Got it. So that just comes. So basically, every other knob you'd want to turn just comes down to your actual SQL query, and and really, it's just the the predicates themselves yep. of which ones can Aqua accelerate yep. for you. And we make that decision fully automatically. So that's what our roadmap looks like. You know, we've been getting feedback from customers on which kinds of things uh, they are most interested in seeing accelerated, and we're prioritizing based upon that. We also have on our roadmap, you know, tighter integration with some of the Redshift functionality. So today, right now, uh, Aqua will not be leveraged by uh, Redshift's concurrency scaling functionality, which is a way that Redshift can sort of get more clusters for you on demand automatically in the background. Uh, but that's mm -hmm. coming. Uh, and so once we've okay. done that, the, uh, the concurrency scaled clusters will leverage Aqua. And, and that functionality is really well tied with the way Aqua works. Because we're a caching layer, the first time you uh, query a table with Aqua, we hydrate it on MIS fully automatically, totally in the background while your query is running. And from then on, it's in Aqua and you get maximum speed because I've already got the data cached. When you run a concurrency scaled cluster, that's technically a new cluster, but the data is already yep. there. So as we flip on support for concurrency scaling, we can skip the hydration. And so neither, so Aqua wow. doesn't have to hydrate and the concurrency scale cluster doesn't have to hydrate. Data is already there. And so it's sort of instantly fast. <laughs> Love that. Love it when I just get speed by flipping a switch and there I had to go. do nothing <laughs> to do it. Uh, well, this is awesome. Is there anything else that we, we forgot to tell our listeners about Aqua or that you would want them to know? Uh, I don't think so. Besides just go flip the switch and use it today. Go, yeah, go flip awesome. the switch. We would love to hear from you. Uh, you know, definitely we love success stories, but we also want to hear, you know, if you had issues or something didn't work the way you thought it would, we'd love to hear that too. As of yesterday, Aqua is generally available in five regions around the world. Woohoo! Woo they are the five largest Redshift regions and uh, we will be rolling out to others over time. That's awesome. Which five regions are there? Just so we know. So it's US East 1. U.S. West 1 and 2, NRT, wait, what is that? Uh, actually, I only know them by their airplane codes. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so that works to too. So it's IAD, CMH, uh, PDX, NRT, and there's one other. I've forgotten the other one. I'll have to look them up. All right. Well, I'm sure we can find it in documentation, yes. so no worries. At least you covered most of the major ones yep. that I would want to know if if it was covered in. So how can people reach you or get in contact with you if they have feedback about Aqua? So you can reach me at Twitter at A.E. Caldwell. Cool. A.E. Caldwell for our listeners who have feedback, good or bad, about Aqua. Remember, Andy is a senior principal engineer for, uh, for Redshift, so he's a great person to contact. Oh, that was A underscore E underscore Caldwell. Sorry. Uh, thank you. That's, that's the correct Twitter, Twitter handle. Um, and then, you know, as always, you guys can get in touch with me if you have questions about the launch show itself. My Twitter handle is K-N-E-E-K-E-Y, like your knee and a key, 23. We always love to hear your feedback about the launch podcast or any other podcast show we do here at AWS. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today about Aqua. Super cool technology that you guys launched. I'm really, really excited about it. Can't wait to see what's next for Aqua. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. You bet. This was super fun. Thank you. 
No problem. My pleasure, honestly. Um, all right. Well, we will uh, we'll see you guys next time on another episode of AWS Lunch. Until then, keep on building.